This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're talking about gardening this morning. Here it is, the last weekend in August. Um, I guess this is this is Labor Day weekend, so a lot of people are going to be getting out and whooping it up and maybe barbecuing and swatting mosquitoes and stuff like that. But for the next hour or so, let's just talk about gardening. If you've got some things on your mind about weird stuff that's happening or you want to try something that you're not quite sure about or somebody told you something that sounded a little weird, you want to run it by somebody who really doesn't matter to me what you do. Uh, I got an interesting email the other day. Oh, Java, this is great. I got an interesting email that you forwarded. Because, you know, when, when people send emails to garden at uh, online, garden at mpbonline.org, <laughs> well, they, they you know, the, it goes to you and then it gets forwarded to me. And some lady, some guy wrote and said he had put a bunch of bark under an old tree, you know, as mulch to keep the weeds down, which is pretty natural. And he said that one of his customers came and said he was an idiot. It's going to kill the tree. And here's what she said. She said, horticulturists and arborists will tell you that it's wrong, but they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, so what are my, the customer's always right, right? So um, I guess I'm not going to say that it's pretty normal to have stuff on the ground under a tree. <laughs> If that's what you want to do, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, hey uh, you know we got a uh, this. They, they got this little secret way to get in now. You know the folks who work here know about. Got to push a button. You know, and a lot of people don't know this. Well, the there's a is Jermaine. Is that that the, the yeah? That's uh, up at the front. Yeah. Well, uh, I came up. I stole a flower. You know, I got this magnolia flower. I stole off the tree out front because I just miss magnolia so much, and uh, I pushed the button and she let me right on in. I said, "Do you know me?" She said, "No." I said, do you let somebody like me stealing flowers out in the front yard just waltz on in by just pushing a button? <laughs> you know you're a superstar around here, man. Well, I think she saw my picture on one of the MPB publications, you know, with the fundraiser or something like that. But anyway, we're going to be talking about gardening. And if anybody wants to, to do that, if you've got some things to share or to kick around, give me a call. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'll try to tell you what I would do myself or, or 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 better yet what i would try to get my mother to do um give us a call one eight seven seven mpb ring and we're going to start out right off the bat because we got a call from alabama from melanie hey melanie good morning good morning how are you i am i have me having problems with my roses well maybe they're having problems with me <laughs> yeah or maybe it's just not a good fit with roses in in uh in the mobile area well I, the problem is, I have a I have a Buff Beauty climber. Yeah, it's and, a good old one. Yes, and uh, it's it's I've had it for at least ten years, maybe longer. But right now, it's got a big, thick stem, probably as big as my thumb. Mm-hmm. But it's it's up on a kind of an arch thing. It's not. It's got some leaves right at the end of each little limb, and it maybe has six or seven limbs, and it's had six or seven blooms, which is, you know, way off from what it should have. Could I cut that way back? Well, you, you can, but keep in mind, even the ever-bloom, some of the old garden roses like Buff Beauty, it's a great one. It's a great heirloom rose. But even those that, that say they repeat bloom, uh-huh. it's not that great in the fall. They bloom great in the spring. They spritz along the summer, and they'll have just an okay show in the fall. No, I'll I'm let, talking about seven blooms this whole season. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, spring... I, 
till now. Yeah, uh, because it's a climber, what I would do is I would wait. You know, you you can. It's a little bit late for pruning plants back right now because they don't have time for the new growth to come out and toughen up before winter. It, even though you're on the Gulf Coast, you could cut some of the stems back a little bit, let them put out some new growth. But I wouldn't do any heavy pruning till after it blooms next spring. I mean, so, be, and I also have some of these. Just uh, I dug up at old homesteads. Um, you know, the ones that bloom in bunches, um, pinks and reds, and mm-hmm. they they bloom beautifully in the spring, but then they lose their leaves, and they're just yeah, this is very the, ugly all summer. Is that normal? It, it, in case you didn't notice, that's what they looked around, like around the old home sites. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that where I dug them up, there was so much other stuff growing, I couldn't yeah. actually... Well, ro- you know, roses, there are some roses that do fine. You know, they're, they're, they're not that many of them, you know, that keep their leaves. Most of them are going to have problems ready to stay in too wet and then too hot and dry, which will cause them to be weak and drop their older leaves. And they just put new leaves on the ends of the branches. Also, black spot, it really knocks a lot of roses, a lot of leaves off roses. And that's, you know, even though we don't like it, it's a disease, it's normal for roses. So unless you want to prune them, you know, you prune them hard in the winter. They put out new growth. And then if you lightly prune them, you know, after each flush of broom through the summer, to always keep some healthy new growth coming on. It's called summer pruning. It's just cutting whatever bloom, cut it back just a little bit. Okay. You know, then that'll keep healthy new leaves coming on all the time. But if you just leave it alone, they can have a few little leaves at the end of the branches, and, and, and that's enough to scrape by till next year. Okay, that sounds manageable. So, have you got a bunch of callers lined up, or can I tell you a story? Well, if you keep it clean. (laughs) Well, sure. So, I live in Alabama, of course, but I was recently coming through Mississippi late, and it was late, and so we stopped at Indianola for, got a hotel. Mm -hmm. We were exhausted. We had come, been driving all day, most of the day in rain, and so we went to look for some place to eat, and, um, To make a long story short, I was trying to change lanes, and I just bumped the lady in front of me's car. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, cut, but you know, cut to the chair. Yeah. Somebody can jump out. Oh, you know, I think I got whiplash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got my whole car repaint yeah. the whole day. And so, of course, I got out, and I was expecting the worst. And this lady got out, and she said, are you all right? <laughs> and I thought, am I all right? Yes, I'm all right. Are you all right? Is what I, and about this time, a police car came up behind us, and she said, I did not call him. <clears throat> and as soon as he got out, she said, we don't need you. There's no damage here. We do not need you. Well, you know, that's the, that's. I don't know if you know, that's my hometown, and that's just where we are. I did not know that was your hometown, but I was so impressed, and she was so kind, and she said, are you okay? She said, you look really tired, and I said, well, you know, we've been driving all day long in the rain, yeah. you know, and she, well, was so, she said, well, look, yeah. my car's fine, your car's fine, why don't we, you just go get some rest, and I was just so totally impressed, and I'm going to say, this was an, uh, you know, this person was not of my ethnicity. Okay, okay, okay. we 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 we, we need we need or... we need to get back to garden. In other words, you had a minor thing, and people are real nice to you in in the Delta. Wanted, people in Mississippi are just really nice. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Melanie. Well, you know that's the way I was raised. You know, I, I thought she was going to say, and the lady cooked me a peach pie, made me a pecan pie from in the little pecan house. Hey, let's go down to Waynesboro and talk to Sandra. Sandra, what's going on in Wayne County? Hi, good morning. I um, appreciate you taking my call. Sure, I'll try to. I'll try to be brief. Oh no, no, no. Um, Let's just talk about it. Okay. Um, uh, my husband and I are interested in transplanting a catawba worm tree or 
finding some catawba worm trees to plant. A grow from we, a we grow from cutting. Anything about them? About they, when? What time of the year to plant? They grow. It's really hard to move them, but it's real easy to root them from about foot long cuttings taken in the fall of the winter. They root really easy. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a smaller tree that's about. Three, well, about three feet tall. Oh yeah, you can move, you can move that. Yeah, yeah, you can move that. But but let's wait, let's wait till fall. You know, November, December. You know, till. In other words, don't don't move them while they're under the stress of needing all their leaves. If you'll if you'll cut it back about a third, it'll just bush out next year. Cut it back if it's three feet tall. Cut it back to two feet tall, and then move it sometime in the late fall or early winter, and uh, put something around the base and rocks or something so nobody hits it with the with the weed eater, the string trimmer. It'll do fine. It'll do fine. Okay. And then you can actually root the part you cut off. Oh, you can. Okay, yeah. so how do you, how do you root the okay. part that more, you cut more, off? More detail. I tell you what, if you want it, shoot me an email about it because, I mean, I've rooted catawpa tree. You just take them, stick them in some pretty good dirt. And I know okay. Waynesboro's got, you know, mostly pretty good dirt. Been really to Waynesboro. My my daughter in law's from Waynesboro. They need full sun or some yeah. heart shade. They need full sun, and uh, and they full get to be not big, big like an oak tree, but pretty big, bigger than a than a crepe yeah. myrtle. Okay, and and real quick, and I know it's kind of hard to, to to describe over the phone. I, I seem to have a fungus on a, a small hydrangea that I'm trying to grow that I planted, but about two years ago, and it just doesn't. It's just struggling. I guess uh-huh. they. They grow really slow, but I've got all these really well, dark brown spots. Yeah, that's that's it. that's that's, that's fungus. It's a fungus. It's caused by all the wet weather we've had, especially a, a okay. new plant that's struggling. Once the plants get bigger and they have a lot of leaves on them, you know, and get a little bit more vigorous, they can resist these somewhat. But for the most part, leaf spots on. You know, when we had a wet spring like we did, a hot, humid with lots of rainfall, uh, yeah. here in the deep south, they're going to get leaf spots. It's real common. Okay, so don't need to worry about it. No, no, I wouldn't worry about it at all. No, what I'd do is I would I would loosen up the dirt around it this this fall or winter, put some fresh mulch around it, so it's got oh. plenty of you know plenty of area up under it to to grow some good roots, and okay. uh, maybe cut the tips off the new growth. You know, just p- pinch it back a little bit in the wintertime, and it'll bush out great next year. Right. Okay. Okay. Sh- shoot me an email, Sandra. I'd be glad to help you the catawpa trees. And if you ever get catawpa Thanks. worms, they're scary. But but they. But the fish love them, yes. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> Appreciate it, Sandra. Thank you. And I got a daughter-in-law from Waynesboro. Let's go to the reservoir area. Hey, Talbert. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's up? I've got nutgrass in my yard, and I heard you talking about nutgrass in the garden a couple of weeks back, or maybe it was last week. Uh, and uh, what's your recommendation about treating nutgrass in a lawn, and how many years do I have to treat it well you know actually and this is real funny i was over at my son's house yesterday and he's starting a new area he, he has some mulching area and in, in, uh, trying to get grass grow in between from two different areas and it's a lot of, mostly nut grass right now uh and it's too late to do much because you know they got those little flower looking things on top and the uh, weed killers don't work well at all on plants that are sending energy up into flowers and seeds so what i would do is i would wait till next spring after you've mowed the grass a few times greened up really good and the nut grass is starting to grow pretty good. And then there's a product, and I, I try to stay away from chemicals that I can, but this is a beautiful product. It's called Sedge Hammer, like sledgehammer. And you can spray it over there. It only kills nut grass. And I tried it in, believe it or not, some wildflower areas this year that was a lot of nut grass. And it killed the nut grass without hurting my plants at all. It's a little expensive, a little pricey, but there's not anything else you can spray that's going to kill just the sedge without harming your grass. 
and uh, it probably sold under other brand names. I don't know. I just I can remember Sedgehammer because it's, it's it's catchy. But uh, there's also a product named Sedge Ender. It, it might be. I, I just don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, so that's the reason I, I have a hard time recommending chemicals because I don't keep track of all of them. You know, if I know about it and I can trust it, I'll recommend it. But if I don't know, you know, I just sort of shy away from it. But um, anyway, if you want to shoot me a little bit of email, I can do some quick research on it, but there's no problem. But the main thing is they work best on young, actively growing plants, not hot and dry, not gone to flower. Gotcha. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Good luck on it, Talbert. Appreciate it, man. Okay, do we need to take a little break or something like that? Me to calm down? Play, play. Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, we're out of verses. So somebody needs to send us some more verses. Take it away, Gus Mohammed. Dear Felder, dear Felder, I can't work a rake. My lawn is a mess and my roses are fake. The seeds that I plant, well, they never come up. If it's the last thing I do, I will never give up. Sign, brown thumbs. Brown thumbs, brown thumbs, I hear what you say. Persistence, my friend, is the word of the day. And for tips on the things that you just might not know, be sure and tune in to the Gestalt Gardener Show. Sign, dear Felder. Felder, dear Felder, I sure need your help. The weeds in my yard are growing faster than kelp. I cut them all back and I spray them with diesel. But when I turn away, they pop up like a weasel. Signed, overtaken. Overtaken, overtaken, there are two things that are true. Put in the work or you pay someone too. The thicker the lawn, the less weeds will grow. And watch your blade height whenever you mow. Sign, dear Felder. so glad java it was weird i was gone a long time but we managed to pull this thing off every week yeah you were you were gone uh, uh i think maybe a little extended since your other trips because yep. um people would come around and say is felder back yet is yeah. felder back yet yeah well i never really left matter of fact uh the two the two things actually there's a whole bunch of things to, now that i'm back the first thing i, I noticed when i stepped uh, out of the Uber from from the airport was the cicadas. The sound was just wow. It's like a wall of sound. The cicadas, and maybe that's what makes us different from other folks. Southerners got cicadas, but also the smell of magnolias. I've I, I've got this flower here from a variety called Little Jim. Little Jim is a it's a small magnolia. The leaves are, you know, only a few inches long, a few you know three or four inches wide. The flowers are not a whole lot bigger than my hand. Real fragrant, you know, same fuzzy brown bottom leaves, shiny top leaves, same flower, but it's small. But get this, it is the longest blooming magnolia. They bloom well into October, although the magnolias sort of spritz along. But Little Jim is a great yard plant. I'm thinking anybody in the South who doesn't have a Little Jim magnolia is just missing out on one of the the, the joys. It's one of the, the most magnificent plants in botanic gardens 
all over the world. I've seen magnolias in Scotland. I've seen them in Japan. I've seen them in Africa, South America, New York City. But they grow easy here. Anyway, Little Jim, it's a great one. Um, before we go back to the calls, let me uh, thank Sharon West. She's with the Adams County Master Gardeners. Uh, they had a uh, plant sale back in the spring. I announced it. She sent me the nicest little thank you note with a handmade card that's got dried monarda, our, one of our native, uh, beautiful native wildflowers. On it now, you know, a real flower glued to a real handwritten thank you note. Sharon West, you were raised right. Now you want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go to Summit. Summit's down in Pike County. Hey Slayton, good morning. Hey Felder, howdy. What's going on, man? I need a question on persimmon trees. Okay, I got a good question on persimmon trees. Why? Why? Deer season's coming up, and persimmons are the best thing to hunt under. They are. Now, I have two groups of persimmon trees, and there's probably about six or seven persimmon trees about the size of a wrist. They're bunched up together, and they have not produced any persimmons probably in 10 years. Yeah. And they they, might be 15 years old. Have they ever uh, made persimmons? I not to my recollection. Okay, here's the deal. Every other tree is loaded. Here, here's the deal, and it's a weird one. But persimmon trees are, are, are separate male and female trees. Two different trees. One's a male, one's a female. Female will have fruit if it gets pollen from a male. Male will never have have uh, persimmons on it. And you got to have both of them pretty close to each other for the pollination to happen. The problem is right. when you grow persimmons from seeds. Uh, I want to say something like 70% of them or more are male. And you can't tell until they get old enough to start blooming, which is, you know, seven, eight years. So unless you get one that's grafted, unless you, you know, or, or, you know, unless you buy one that you know is a female and have some males nearby, it just ain't going to happen. It's a, it's a, it's a real weird thing. My son, avid hunter, he loves to plant persimmons, but he, you have to have a, almost a whole forest of them. Make sure some. And then what happens when some do make uh, 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 the fruits? Cut the other ones away from it, so it really develops and has more room to grow. Right. I've also heard that. If they're bunched up together, they won't produce anything. They're really competitive. No, well, yeah, that, that's like people in a, in an elevator. You get too many people in an elevator, and they don't perform well either. Same thing. They they need elbow room. Uh, so if you could find even just one persimmon on one of them, then that's going to be a female, and you can cut most of the rest of them away, and it'll really develop and fill out, grow better, have more branches, more persimmons. Just be sure you leave one or two nearby that don't have persimmons for the pollination stuff. All right. Well, thank you. Hey, let me throw out one other thing. If you can find them cheap, there's a there's a tree called Japanese persimmon. They're about the size of a baseball, almost the size of a baseball. They're bigger than you know. They're peat size. Yes, sir. They we are. Have, we have one in our front yard that's about four foot tall and has about thirty persimmons on it. Yeah. Well, see, you could put those out if you'll put them out there and put you three or four stakes about oh a foot or two away from. It. In other words, put you a little dog fence around it, keep the deer from rubbing you know from from rubbing all the bark off of them. Right. Then they do great, and I mean they are heavy producers. Always dependable. So you can put okay. a scatter a few of those out there, and like I say, just protect the trunk with with three or four stakes, a little bit of of a fencing around to keep you know, up about a waist high or so. All right. Well, thank you. Good luck on it, Slayton. Appreciate it, yes, man. Sir. Bye. 
All right, we got some lines open. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. 877-MPB-RING is toll-free. Uh, while I was overseas, I did a lot of different botanic gardens. Went to a whole bunch of flower shows, uh, a lot of garden, public garden, a lot of private gardens. I belong to a walking group uh, that's been uh, organized and walking since 1896. And uh, it's called a study group because uh, you know we you know we we actually learn about historic architecture and interesting formations and soils and plants and things like that. Anyway, so I have seen a lot of behind the thing behind the scenes stuff. Get this though, you can walk all over England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales because they don't have ticks, they don't have snakes, they don't have red bugs, and they have horse flies and they will bite you through blue jeans. But get this, these footpaths they have that are literally all over the place, and they're legally protected. They cross the farmer's field. Farmer has got to keep it open and make sure that there's a, a repaired little uh, uh, thing to climb over the fence and all that. Um, and they're, But they're loaded with fruit. I've eaten more wild blueberries, more wild raspberries, un- way more than too many wild blackberries. The apples are just coming in. The uh, slow plums are coming in. They're all over the place. And because of that, not only can people enjoy, you know, the, the, the natural bounty that's out there, but they have a lot more songbirds and wildlife and stuff like that. So anyway, I think it'd be a good idea if uh, if, if folks want to, to treat fruit plants not as fruit plants, but as like part of a hedgerow. You can have a mixed group across the back of your yard that's got a little of everything, you know, put a neat mowing strip around it, try to keep the poison ivy out of control. But you know, it's possible to mix these things up so they doesn't look like an orchard, but more like just like a fence row you see along uh, the, 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 you know, the, the side of the ditch, a, a fence row along the roadside. All sorts of stuff, and put a Japanese persimmon in there, uh, put a plum in there, some, some uh, blueberries, and mix it all up and it looks good, and it works good. Not only do you have lots of wildlife, but you have occasional fruit, too. Anyway, if you want to give me a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring I got a, a little poignant tune coming up a little bit, because I'm so glad to be back home. Uh, let's go to Raymond, though, and see what Mary's up to. Hey, Mary, good morning. Oh, I got to push the button. Push Dad, the button. Hey, Mary. Tell, <laughs> I didn't push. To... <laughs> what? What? Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I'm interested in growing horseradish. Why? Because I want to eat it. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> horseradish is really not that hard to grow, but it grows better further north. And I don't remember what the deal is, whether you plant it in the fall. Uh, I'm going to have to do a little quick research on that. But I want to say you plant It is possible, but I, I, I want to say it needs to have a, a raised bed. And he's being a protected place, and I think it needs to be planned in the fall. But it's been a long time since I even thought about horseradish. So, but but I do know that I've got a little file about growing it because I wrote an article about it years and years ago. So anyway, if you can stay tuned, maybe somebody will help us out. We're going to play a tune in a second. I'm going to do a little research online and find out exactly what we need to do for it. All right, thank you. Okay, appreciate you calling, Mary. Sorry, well, I'm not sorry I couldn't help you off the top of my head because I don't remember a lot of stuff. You know, that's just what happens. But I appreciate- All right, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> appreciate your call. Java. I didn't push the wrong button. Forgot to push the button. You're just getting back in the saddle, man. We, we forgive you. <laughs> Plus, I'm swooning here. This magnolia thing, if I was about to drive me out of here, so sweet. And I noticed there's some tiny little little bugs on it called little thrips on it. But 
Anyway, nobody knows unless you look at it up close. Um, one of the things that you can do this weekend, if you get a chance, the garden centers are finally starting to have uh, the fall crucifer crops uh, and things like uh, uh, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. They're starting to get the little plants in now. It's a little bit early before now, but this is the time to plant those. Get this. If you want to plant things like broccoli and cabbage, in order for them to make a head, you've got to keep them growing steadily from when you plant them. So if you get old woody plants that have kind of a woody stem on it, big tall things, the, the, the biggest looking plants at the garden center, they probably are going to be stunted. So what I would do is I would get the smaller plants, the floppy ones, the ones that still have a not so much a woody stem, kind of little ones, work up your dirt pretty good and plant them. Maybe put a little mulch up on them, some bark or some leaves or something to keep the ground from, from overheating. And if you water them, not all the time, but give them a good soak in every couple of three or four days for a couple of weeks, whatever it takes to keep them steadily growing, a good soaking without keeping them wet, a little bit of fertilizer every two or three weeks, just a little spoon feed them. If you can keep them growing steadily, they'll never miss a lick. They'll make the biggest, prettiest heads you ever saw. But if you ever let them get dry, or if you start out with big old tough woody plants, they just may not do that well. Anyway, so that's a little trick on planting fall things, and it's time for planting fall stuff. We're going to do a uh, little tune and come back with more of Gestalt Garden. I'm going to do a little quick research on horseradish. If anybody's got personal experience growing it here in the deep south give us a call we're going to come back with more of this gestalt gardener here on mississippi public broadcasting me and java are going to take a quick break listen to a sweet little tune that says i'm glad to be home we'll be right back after this Mississippi and you 
If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. You know, folks, welcome back. Horticulturist Felder Rushing. I just did, been doing a little bit of research on horseradish. And, uh, I'm, and uh, matter of fact, I found a, an article written by Barbara Pleasant, who's a good friend of mine. She's from northern Alabama. And, uh, but, but she mentioned that she had written this for Mother Earth News. She mentioned that it is a northern plant. It grows better from, I'm going to say, central or, uh, central or north Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, north. doesn't grow as well on the Gulf Coast. Uh, but apparently it likes just pretty good dirt. Nothing special about that. You can plant the the little root things in the spring. You can even plant the ones you buy at the supermarket. I plant them kind of at a slant with the uh, the pointy end down, uh, kind of down. Um, and it says it grows best in sun or shade. I would imagine what I know about growing northern plants. I'm spending a lot of time up north in New England and in, in, in England and Europe. That a plant that does better in the north would probably do best with part shade in the south to protect it from the hot, hot late sun, uh, summer uh, sun. So I would maybe plant a raised bear where it doesn't stay too wet on the east side or something where, you know, it gets plenty of morning sun, but protects for the hot afternoon sun. And apparently you plant them in the spring. Now, this is anecdotal. I've never done it myself. Uh, and I'll try to do a little bit more research. But if somebody who's grown horseradish call up and give us some better advice. I also know there's different varieties. Uh, some have broader leaves than others. Once you get the supermarket are, are not quite as broad with a little bit different flavor. So anyway, I need to do more in, uh, research, but if anybody's got some first-hand experience growing horseradish in the deep south, give me a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Meanwhile, let's slide down the Gulf Coast and talk with Tim. Hey, Tim, you growing microgreens or you want to know how to no, eat them? No, I, I want you, um, I want the, uh, Easiest way to do it inside. I've seen some of this stuff online. I just yeah. I want your take on it. Yeah. Well, well first of all, microgreens are just greens that are harvested when they're little. Yeah. So, so that's not hard to do at all. If you'll get some flat trays, you know, like the you know, like the the plastic trays that, that plants come from in garden centers. Sure. And fill okay. it with some pretty good potting soil. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe put some screen in the bottom so that it doesn't all wash out the holes every time you water it. But um, if you'll just fill it up with oh, two or three, four inches of, of potting soil and just get you a mix of seeds. Uh, by the way, microgreens, uh, if you mix them up together, it's called mescaline. And all it is, you take two or three different kinds of uh, uh, lettuces, uh, some radishes, some uh, uh, beets. Well, beets wouldn't—they don't—they don't sprout as quick. But you know, things like that, mustard. And if you'll mix the seeds together and just barely just sprinkle some of the seeds lightly over the surface and water it, they should sprout within four or five days. And within two or three weeks, you can actually be harvesting them. And so you can start new trays indoors or out uh, every couple of three weeks and have a continuous supply all winter long. Sweet. That's what I wanted to hear from yeah. you. The, the one thing to keep in mind, they don't have a deep root system, so you don't need a lot of potting soil. That's a waste. They're going to need to be kept moist, not wet. And also, when it comes to fertilizer, 
a lot of people want to grow things all organically, and that's fine, but it's hard to find organic fertilizer that doesn't take a pretty good while to work. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend using a dilute, maybe one-third or even half-strength solution of one of the liquid fertilizer, you know, miracle Grow or something like that. Whatever it says in a gallon of water, put that in two or three gallons of water. And then once they start growing real leaves, just hit them once, maybe twice, and then you're eating them. Love it. That's what I wanted to hear before I ordered this stuff. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And, and by the way, you can do this outside on the Gulf Coast just about all year. You may have to drag them in. I mean, not all year. Yeah. From 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 late August until oh April or May. After that, they start getting kind of bitter. But you can do it outside and just drag them in if it's going to freeze because they'll okay. ta- they'll actually grow better in cool weather. So oh, out, yeah. Out, yeah. outside yeah. might be better than inside. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. Thanks for asking asking me something I knew, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. You bet. Let's go down to Carrie. Good morning. Is it Carol? Cheryl? Uh, Cheryl. Cheryl. Charlie. Charlie. What's up, Charlie? You want to grow cashmere bouquets? My daughter gave me one in a large pot about a year and a half Uh ago, Uh and now I have about 150 of them in the yard. (laughs) Now, is is this one that's a perennial that blooms at the top, or is it the small tree-like one? Because both of them can be called that. Uh, They get about head tall, and they have a big cluster of pink flowers. Yeah, but but they die down, they come back up in the spring. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that that particular type of clarodendron. It can get away from you if you're not careful. You got to learn how to just pull them, wad them up, and throw them over behind what's left. Okay, so I can mow them. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, they come back from the roots, and they, you know they actually would grow a little bit better in the you know in light shade. So you know what I would do is just leave a few to bloom, and then you know pull the rest of them up, wad them up, throw them over behind there, and uh, and they'll do great. The butterflies love them, and when you deadhead them, they send another tier of little bitty clusters of flowers, so this they're is, really nice. This is a terrific plant. By the way, you want to know why it's called cashmere bouquet? Pardon? <laughs> you want to know why it's called cashmere bouquet? They don't smell like the soap. No, they smell like cashmere goats, wet cashmere goats. Ah. <laughs> uh, to me, it smells like the leaves smell like rancid peanut butter, but ain't it a pretty plant? It is. Appreciate, Thank you. You bet. Appreciate it. Because she was talking about a Clarodendron bungii, which is a really hardy, shade, mostly shade-loving perennial, beautiful clusters of flowers, uh, almost not quite plate size, great for butterflies. Uh, now let's go to uh, to. Andre, uh, to Mikey and Mobile. Hey, Mikey. Hey, welcome back. Good welcome morning. Back. Thank you. You know, um, my my question is, what kinds? What are your favorite new surprises that you brought back with us? To uh, us? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's always about garden design with me because you know we grow different kind of plant, whether you're California or England or or Wisconsin or Florida or, or wherever. Uh, we garden the same. We just grow slightly different plants. The The trick is, how do you do it where it doesn't become a chore? And uh, so the more and more, I, the more the more I learn about it, the more I realize a small lawn with a nice little edge to it, maybe a, a little shallow ditch around it, and then throw everything together on the other side, you know, a, a, a border with mixed shrubs and mixed flowers and small trees all mixed together always works and you don't have to worry about something dying because you always got more but in other words mix stuff up instead of all uniform uh, stuff uh, i also really appreciate growing 
uh, high productive vegetables in small spaces and containers because in England their gardens are so small. They grow a lot of stuff in small raised beds and big containers, and they constantly plant. When something dies or gets harvested, they immediately turn right around and stick something else in a hole instead of having to do it all at one time like farmers, like we tend to do. So do you think that negative space gardening, like um, uh, digging a hole and that's big enough to put your pot in, among those sorts of bunches that you were talking about is a good idea? Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when it comes to mixing plants together, there are no rules. We're really uptight. You know, this is where to be a new gardener, it's almost like you need a, to be given a, a, a prescription for Wellbutrin or something just to calm down and relax. <laughs> but mixing stuff up, and if something doesn't work, pull it up, stick something else in a hole. You know, the, in other words, making it a regular thing like making coffee in the morning or, or you know, shaving or whatever, don't feel like you have to do a lot of stuff at one time, but do it all year. We're sticking in a fake cactus here and there. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with artificial plants at all. We have some great, great, great uh, hardy uh, cactus and succulents that do really well in the southeast. And uh, they're real low maintenance. So anyway, the back of my pickup truck, Mikey, there's always it's got a mixture of flowers and small shrubs and gr- ground covers and herbs and, and uh, vegetables. It did fantastic all summer for three months with nobody coming, watering at all. You're coming to Mobile in October, right? Yep. I'll be oh, there for... No. I'll bring it to Okay, Mikey, appreciate it. Thank you, bye. Oh, and I forgot to mention the garden gnomes. <laughs> let's go Let's go to Corinth, way up in the icebox. Bill, what's going on in Corinth? Yes, sir. Good to have you back and enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. I have a full lawn, uh, Bermuda grass lawn, but in the wintertime I have this thing called the annual bluegrass. Yeah, poan. Yeah, poan. Yep. What can I spray? I, I, I've been told possibly simazine. What and when can I spray to get rid of that ugly thing? In the summer, I have a beautiful lawn. In the winter, it looks terrible. Yeah, well, it it looks terrible. You could say it's a meadow. You have a summer lawn and a winter meadow. You know, one thing you could do is plant daffodils out there and have a winter meadow. And then when it all dies down, just have a summer Bermuda lawn. You know that you know that's possible. Anyway, to answer your question, I I, I can't remember. Even though I I, I was a, tur- a turf guy at the university, I can't remember. The, all the different products anymore because I don't keep track of it. I will say there are some pre-emerged materials, some granular stuff you can put out ahead of time to keep the seeds from sprouting. And But that needs to be put out like right away because Poa Anna, uh, annual bluegrass, can start sprouting in September. Yes, sir. But, but there's some pre-emerged you can put out uh, that'll do a good job of keeping those seedlings from sprouting to begin with. And so that'll head off problem. Then you can spot treat what does come up here and there. And uh, so I just don't remember the names of the products. Yep. But I, I know that commercial growers, golf course people, athletic fields, they put a pre-emerge out for it in, in uh, late August or September uh, rather than depend on just spraying everything in the in the wintertime. Yes, sir. Okay, I sure do appreciate your comment. Okay. I, know, I know I sound like a broken record with folks when I say if you email me, I can do real quick. You know, I've got all this stuff at my fingertips that, that, that doesn't fit in my head, if you know what I mean. Yes, sir. So yes, shoot sir. me an email and we can come up with something else. I appreciate you. Okay, Bill, good luck on it. Yes, sir. All right, and let's go to Oxford. Hey, Andre, good morning. Uh, hey, Felder. Howdy. got a couple of questions for you. Okay. Okay, the first one is about a, you mentioned this earlier this year in the show, it was some kind of a, uh, attachment like you can put on your um, your weed eater thing that was for brush cutting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it has a name of an animal. Yeah, it's, it's called badger head. 
and uh, yeah, and I haven't had a chance to to catch up with the fella. A, a good friend of mine does landscape maintenance, and uh, and I got him one uh, before I left this past uh, summer. I haven't had a chance to see how how it held up under commercial use, but it's it's uh it's basically it's a replacement for instead of using string, it uses mm-hmm. little uh a swivel blades, and just you screw off your regular head and screw this thing on. It'll fit on any Great. kind. But anyway, if you'll just do a thing called uh, uh, Google Badger Head. Okay. And it's a Mississippi I product. I an animal. I could... <laughs> yeah, and it's made in Pelahatchie, Mississippi, invented there. All right, wonderful. All right, second question. Um, I bet my mother's yard has beautiful, probably 100-year-old crepe myrtles uh-huh. that I would really like to do some cuttings from. Yeah. Don't know when's the best time of the year to take crepe myrtle cuttings. Okay. I have rooted hundreds of crepe myrtles. Before I ever went to college, I worked in a nursery that propagated trees. And basically, you take pencil-sized cuttings, about as long as a pencil, about as big around as a pencil, you know, maybe a little bit bigger, but not, you know, about pencil-sized cuttings from, from this year's growth, and you stick them halfway or so in some pretty good dirt in the winter. Okay. Now, if you want to root them in some pots, you know, some some uh, with some potting soil, um Put several cuttings in each pot, just like you would roses, and then keep them in a kind of protected place. They need to stay dormant, you know. So I would put them up against the house, maybe on the the east or the north side of the house where they, you know, don't actually freeze solid. But, uh, you know, you can root them in a shady, nice protected place outdoors over the winter, no problem. So I should wait till the leaves fall off to take the cuttings? Yeah, yeah. You know, crepe myrtles, roses, uh, shrubs that drop their leaves like that, they root best. Late November, December, January, February, sometime in there. And what will happen, they'll sprout out in the spring. And as they sprout out, they start growing new roots then. Okay. All right. Super. Okay. Good luck on it. Thanks. Thanks so much. All righty, folks. We're going to take a real quick break. We've got uh, some some callers on the line. We've got uh, one that I think he thinks his plant is dying, but I think it's just doing what it normally does. We're going to see about that. But, by the way, I want to congratulate a fellow named Chris. I think it's called Steiskel. It might be Steiskel. Chris Steiskel from Brandon, Mississippi. He won the drawing during the MPBs, during their, their, their television of, you know, Watch Us Shine. He won the drawing for the painting to my white waters of my pickup truck with all the, the flowers and herbs and stuff at the back. Congratulations, Chris. I know you're really going to enjoy it. And if you ever decide to get rid of it, keep me in mind, brother. Love it. Appreciate y'all supporting MPB, television, and radio. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Me and Java are going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. Questions about plumeria and azaleas and all sorts of stuff right after this. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're going to be talking about gardening right until the end of the hour, and we're here every Friday and Saturday. Let's go down to, over to Jackson. Hey, Jim, good morning, sir. Thank you for holding. Good morning. Howdy. Good morning, Felder. What's up? Welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hot and humid. Woohoo! I had a, a tree that fell across uh, a bunch of azaleas, and so I cut them back very severely to about a foot and a half tall when uh this spring and uh-huh. then put some uh, uh fertilizer down and they've come back so beautifully uh is it time to fertilize again in the fall or do i wait until the spring no i, I would matter of fact i don't think i'd fertilize them even every spring you, you and i both know uh 
from being raised in the South that azaleas grow around old home sites without ever being fertilized ever. So don't don't feel like you got to push them too much. Uh, I would look at the length of the growth. If they got a long distance between the leaves, uh, that means they probably got a little bit too much. Anyway, fertilize in the spring or every other spring or every third spring. That's about it. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, l- back. Let me ask you this. When you pruned it hard, uh, the new growth, I bet it just shot up over high. Did you come back and prune it at all or just let it grow straight and tall? No, I just let it grow straight and tall, but I was amazed at how uh, how robustly it came back. Yeah. Well, this next year, Jim, after they get through blooming, sometime, uh, you know, a month or two after they get through blooming, cut all of the stuff that grew this year. It's going to put out new growth at the ends of it. So it's going to get taller and taller. So what I would do is get through blooming. Whatever grew this year, cut it about halfway back. And when that sprouts out, snip the tips off that, and it'll bush out really, really well. Okay. Otherwise, Thanks just so much good. For the advice. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, how's your okra growing? Oh, okra's going well, but the tomatoes are petering out. And I'm going to get ready to plant some new tomatoes and hope I get a fall harvest. <laughs> Gardeners are optimistic. Good luck on it. <laughs> appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Felder. Okay, let's go down and go shade. Hey, John. Good morning, sir. What's up? Good morning. Uh, first, I love your show. Well, thanks for uh, being part of it. Okay. Uh, Plumeria. Yeah. I, I have a, a, a brother in South Florida, and uh, I always, I, the last few years, I've taken clips off his plumeria. It's a tree. It's yeah. about six, seven feet tall, and they all grow. Every one of them always grows. Uh, but I'm growing them on a the back porch, and uh, I've overwatered every single one of them the last few years, so they always end up dying. So I'm yeah. wondering. Can I plant them outside in, in Goche? No, no. They're, they're, you know, this is the, the, by the way, folks, plumeria is a shrub that the flowers, what they make lays out of in, in Hawaii and all like that. Uh, plumerias are extremely sensitive to, to, to even light freezes, extremely sensitive. Uh, so what I would do is I would put them in a little bit, but I've got a, a couple of friends here in Jackson who grow them in big pots, you know, pots that are just big enough where you can barely put your arms around them, uh, and grow them in, in those and just let them get completely dry between soakings. And uh, that's, you know, that's your best bet. And then, you know, they always drop their leaves in the fall. A lot of people get upset because the plumerias drop all the leaves in the fall, so they water them to try to... To keep them alive, no, they go dormant in the late summer and fall. And this, they're supposed to drop their leaves. So when they do that, you could just drag them inside, leave them, push them back out in the spring, water them, and start out all over again. Okay. Yeah, Thanks. but they, they they naturally drop their leaves in the fall, so don't think that that's dying. Yeah, no, I've seen that process. That, yeah. that always works. But then yeah. I just always overwater them, and they get rip rod and they die. Well, we need to come up with something you can do with your hands when you reach for the watering can. <laughs> good okay. luck. Good luck on it, John. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And we can see what Matt's up to. Matt, you got stuff eating your plants? Uh, yeah, I've got a deterra plant that I planted from seed, and uh, it's done real well. I noticed something was eating the leaves, and I look, and it's it's just daily covered with caterpillars that look a lot like tomato cutworms or hornworms. Yeah, they got a uh, horn on the end of them. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering, is, is there a spray for that? Well, I've just been pulling them off. Yeah there, yeah, there there is a spray. There's a there's a spray. It's actually a natural product, and it works better than chemicals. It's it uh, it's a type of of bacteria that when you spray it, it only kills the larvae of moths and butterflies. It's sold. Uh, 
I forget all the different names, but it's a biological worm spray. That's what it's called, a biological worm spray. You spray it on there, they eat it. Within hours, they stop feeding. After a while, they just drop off. And if a bird eats them, it ain't going to be poisoned. But uh, it's, it's a lot easier also just to pick them off because this is going to be the, uh, the moth, uh, the larvae of a fairly big moth. I don't know what kind without seeing, you know, the, if you send me a picture of a caterpillar, I can tell you what kind of moth it's going to be. But, you know, they're, they're kind of cool. They're kind of cool. But I would just hand I'd just hand pick them if you could. Okay, sounds great. I sure appreciate it. Okay, good luck on it, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. <sighs> I guess we're about out of time. Don't have any more calls anyway. Uh, c- again, congratulations, Chris uh, Stiesko for Brandon. Got that painting white water did on my truck. I got back. My truck still looked good. Uh, the flower, the the rosemary is alive. Uh, some of the shru- my Nandina shrubs, some of the ground covers. I got a plant that's called uh, Angelonia. It is just kicking. The summer heat and drought doesn't slow it down at all. So, anyway, mostly what I've got to do this weekend is pull some crabgrass. Before I left uh, back early in the summer, I pulled up a lot of weeds. I put fresh mulch out there, but some seeds of crabgrass blew in. Uh, so it's big, big plants, but they're growing in the mulch. So all I have to do is grab them, pull them, shake the potting soil off, and then get rid of them after that. Probably going to compost them or throw them over in the neighbor's yard or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, Java, I'm back. I'm back. And we're glad you are back, man. Hey, you know, this, we've been doing this Deer Felder, Deer Felder thing. It's been fun, but uh, Gus Mohammed's been recording them. He's out of verses. So you need some people to send some more. Well, it's either that or people are quietly letting us know they're tired of it. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, but Gus and I have been having a lot of fun with it. We've been having a whole bunch of fun. Uh, but anyway, if anybody wants, uh, if you want to hear some more of the uh, Deer Felder, Deer Felder thing, send us some some. Uh, uh, some some verses. Real easy. Garden at MPB. Garden at mpbonline.org. Got a few events coming up uh, uh, this this year. I didn't bring my notes with me, so if there's anything going on this weekend, I don't think there is. I apologize. Y'all have a a safe holiday. There's going to be a lot of crazy people cooking their backyard like me. But Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, Liz Gill and Java Chapman have been helping us uh, bring this party to life. Appreciate all of y'all joining us. I'm going to be thinking of all of you to get out and pull up a few grass seedlings this weekend. Maybe rework some dirt. Uh, mulch some stuff, set out a few little fall broccoli and cabbage plants, and uh, just generally take it easy. Take it easy. Labor Day doesn't mean you got to get out there and do a bunch of labor. Anyway, main thing, this weekend, take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week. 